Welcome to Lead On, a program where we talk about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I'm Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, and it's my privilege to talk with you each week about practical issues. Now, I've been a church planter and a pastor and a denominational ministry executive for a number of years. And over that time, I've gained a little insight into how to apply the Christian worldview to the practical problems of ministry. You know, we deal with theological problems and philosophical problems, and I get that, and I certainly enjoy having those conversations in different contexts. But on this program, we deal with the nuts and bolts of what it means to make the day-to-day decisions about leading churches and organizations. And today, I want to talk about something that may cause you to change the channel on the, or change the station on the radio pretty quickly, but I hope you'll stay with me. I want to talk about something that's going to sound old-fashioned and out of touch, and you're going to think, does anybody even care about this anymore? Well, yes, they do. And I want to talk to you today about dress codes for churches, ministry leaders, and ministry organizations. Now, you may already be thinking, ah, this is a guy who's going to tell me to wear a suit every day. Well, I am definitely not going to tell you to do that. But I do want to ask you if you've ever really thought through what you wear, what your team wears, and what people wear in your organization, and why that matters. So if you'll stay with me for a few minutes, I'd like to talk with you about dress codes for ministry leaders and in ministry organizations. And no, I am not the old man yelling, get off my yard. I am not a a bitter suit-wearing ancient guy that doesn't think there's any other option. But I do think there's something here that we need to really talk about. You know, organizations have standards. For example, you tell your employees, uh, come to work at 8 a.m., go home at 5 p.m. Even churches and church staffs and even church volunteers have standards. You have to be here at a certain time. You have to perform at a certain level. You get to leave at a certain certain time. So organizational standards are really not a problem. And sometimes those organizational standards can include – having an expectation of what people wear and why. Now, I acknowledge up front that there are a lot of changing habits of what people are wearing today. But one myth that seems to inform a lot of the choices of what people wear is that everyone is going casual and that sloppy dress makes you a person of the people. Well, that's simply not true. A few years ago, my son got out of college and got a job working uh, in the federal government as a Senate intern, a starting out position to launch him into his career. And when he got the job, before he showed up the first day, his supervisor said, before you get to D.C., be sure you buy three suits. You need to come to work the first day as an intern dressed professionally to work in our office. So governmental offices have an expectation of a certain kind of dress. If you go into most law offices or financial services organizations or even real estate brokerage firms or even funeral homes, you're going to find that in all these work contexts, the dress code is still what might be called business. You'll see women in dresses or nice suits. You'll see men in suits and ties. So it is a myth that everyone is going casual, or that you have to dress a certain way for people to identify with you or respect you, and you want to look like they do or always fit in to who they are 
in order to have credibility with them. I had an experience with this personally that was a little bit embarrassing a few years ago. You know, I'm a seminary president, and I went to a meeting to buy a major piece of real estate. Now, that was when our seminary was moving down to Southern California. I was living in Northern California, and I thought, I'm going to Southern California in the middle of the summer. I'll bet people are going to be dressed a lot more casually than I'm accustomed to wearing here in Northern California in my context. So that day, I dressed rather casually. I put on a uh, sports shirt type uh, a sports shirt type dress and uh, you know some casual pants and shoes and hopped on the plane and flew down here to go to this meeting. Well, I walked into the meeting with attorneys, uh, real estate professionals, and the company that was thinking about selling us the building, and everyone in the room had on business attire in the middle of the summer in Southern California, except me. And I remember thinking, it's a good thing that I'm bringing millions of dollars to this meeting and they all want to sell me something because they're probably willing to overlook how I'm dressed for this meeting. Because what I dressed, what my dress communicated was, this isn't really all that serious to me or that all, all that important of a meeting. But what their dress communicated to me was, the money's on the table and we're all business and we showed up to talk to you about it. So I had this experience of buying into the myth and finding out that, you know what, that's not the way everybody dresses, even in Southern California. Now, not only are there a lot of changing habits, and we do have to interface with those habits and be careful about the myths informing what we think, but it is also important to remember that people still like to wear uniforms. People like to know what to wear, and they even like to be told what to wear. Let me give you some examples. Sports teams, for example. People like to wear their uniform of their sports team. The players all wear the same uniform, and fans like to buy those jerseys to identify with their favorite players and with their uniforms. And people like to wear those uniforms even in public and in places you might be surprised to see them. Just last night, I was out to dinner at a fairly nice restaurant here in our area, and a baseball player came in from his high school team, still wearing his uniform from having played in the game, still had the dirt in the, in the pants. And he came in with his family, having come straight from the game, sat down and had his meal, and I thought, he's proud to be wearing that uniform. So proud he didn't even want to stop and take it off before he went out to eat with his family. People like to wear uniforms. They like logo shirts. They like to wear a shirt with the name of their organization on it or the name of the company they represent or the name of the school they attend. They like those kind of garments. And people like to wear T-shirts. Uh, at uh, the church we attend every summer, there's a vacation Bible school set of T-shirts that all the workers get. And on Monday, it's red. And on Tuesday, it's yellow. And on Wednesday, it's blue. And they all wear a shirt every day. And they do this not only to identify themselves as the faculty or the staff so that parents know exactly who's who and for some security and safety reasons, but they also do it because, quite frankly, they like to all be on the same team. And wearing those T-shirts communicates we're all in this together. And it's really kind of a challenge because you've got a lot of different sizes and shapes and ages of people that have to get into those T-shirts. And so the designing of them and the company that's selected to produce them and the artwork that goes on them, it's unique and individual every year. All that's created with the, the idea in mind that we're going to create a team that all looks to, to the same, all wearing our VBS T-shirts. And, and then a lot of people still go to work where they're expected to wear a uniform and uniforms are even provided. Uh, you know, some of them are even so famous that they become a, a, a part of the slogan, what will Brown do for you? And that's UPS, of course. And we all know that because their trucks are brown, their uniforms are brown, and that's kind of their company color. So 
people do care about what they wear, and they do want to communicate something by what they wear. And we see this in all kinds of different examples, as I've given from government workers, law office workers, financial service workers, and then scaling it down to even things like Vacation Bible School t-shirts, where everyone wants to fit together and feel like they're part of something larger than just themselves. Now, the question is, do pastors and ministry leaders like to wear a uniform? The answer may surprise you. I think they definitely do. And the reason I say that is because while pastors, particularly in our culture, have gone away from wearing suits in most contexts, and I have zero problem with that. If that's what needs to happen, that's just fine, as I'll talk about in just a minute. But as they've generally gone away from wearing professional dress in most contexts and more into a casual uh, look, what strikes me as interesting is that they're all copying each other and they all want to look alike. Designer jeans, untucked shirts, and scraggly beards. Those are very common things pastors seem to want to have today. Now, this is kind of comical, but I travel a good bit in my work, and so I sometimes look around in airports and see if I can pick out the pastors. When I'm in an airport, I almost never see anyone traveling in designer jeans and untucked shirts and little scraggly beards. What I mostly see is people in professional dress or people definitely in vacation mode. That's who's normally out there traveling. And so I can often pick out a person and say, I'll bet that person's a pastor. And it's uncanny how often while they're sitting there, after I've thought about this, I'll watch them pull out their Bible or pull out a book and start studying for their sermon. And I think, well, once again, I picked him out of the crowd. Because pastors are wearing uniforms today, they've just switched from suits to something else that identifies them as being that look that pastors seem to want to have. And then I was telling this story in a uh, group here at the office one day, and one of my associates said, that's so funny that you're telling me that story. He said, I have two teenage sons. They do the same thing. We'll go into a Starbucks or something, and they'll look around, they'll hit me with their elbow and say, hey, Dad, that guy over there, I'll bet he's a pastor. Because pastors have developed this kind of look, which communicates who they are and what they do. Now, I'm not making fun of that. I'm just trying to make the point that dress does matter and that what we look like matters and that we all want to dress in a certain way that fits a certain expectation of what we have in our context and in our role. So whether you're talking about getting logo shirts for everybody at your workplace or whether you're talking about getting uh, uniforms for everybody that goes out to represent your company or whether you're talking about getting T-shirts for everybody that teaches at Vacation Bible School, whether you're talking about trying to dress so that you look the part, if you will, of what you think pastor or ministry leader or, pa or professor or president even looks like in our culture, everybody thinks about this at some level. So if you're an organizational leader, you have to think about it not only for yourself, but through the organization you lead. You have to ask yourself, what do I want the staff of our church to look like when they represent us? And what do I want my employees to present when they go out into the community? And what do I want our organization to communicate by how we look, how we dress, and the attire that we have? So I want to give you now seven questions that you can think through as an organizational leader. You can think through these for yourself personally. You can think through these for your staff, your volunteers, your employees. You can think through these to try to come to grips with the issue of dress codes in ministry organizations. And here's the first question. Who are you trying to connect with? Who are you trying to connect with by your dress choices? Now, this is an important question, but frankly, it's not the only question. 
So while it is an important question that you're saying, I'm trying to dress to connect with a certain audience, that's not the only question you have to ask and answer. So we'll start with that one because that is the most common question people ask and answer. How do I dress to connect with a certain audience or a certain clientele that I'm trying to either impress or that I'm trying to find a commonality with or that I'm trying to develop a relationship with? But let me give you a second question. The second question is, who are you representing? Are you representing just yourself? Are you representing your organization? Or are you representing something even larger? Ministry leaders already understand that they are not just representing themselves with their behaviors. That's why we avoid going to certain places because we don't want to communicate by going to those locations that we're somehow compromising ourselves, our organization. That's why we don't wear certain logoed products that speak in ways that we wouldn't want to communicate something about ourselves or organization. That's why we don't uh, eat or drink certain things. That's why we don't participate in certain kinds of entertainment. You get this. You're a ministry leader, and you know that your actions, your behaviors, do communicate something not just about yourself, but also about your organization and even something larger than that about you representing the kingdom of God. That's why it's important for ministry leaders to think through this issue, because we're not just trying to connect with people by how we dress. We're also representing something to people, and we're not just representing ourselves, but we're representing something larger, our organization, and maybe even something larger than that, the kingdom of God. Now, this came home to me a few years ago in a painful conversation. A particular ministry leader was elected to a very prominent role. He became the president of a very large organization, in Christian organization. This particular guy had a habit of dressing in a very casual way. He often wore T-shirts or maybe pullover shirts and uh, jeans or casual clothes like that. And that's what he wore in every context. When he assumed this role... Um, He went to speak at a large gathering, and afterwards, one of the people at that gathering came to see me. He said, why does this president dress like my youth pastor? Now, the person who came to me was from a different ethnic background, was in a large church that was predominantly from that ethnicity, Most of the ministry leaders in his context wore suits or dressed very very professionally, even if they were dressed casually. And he said to me, why does this person dress like my youth pastor? And then he asked me this question. Doesn't he realize that when he speaks, he's also representing me? We contribute to his organization. We send personnel to work in his organization. He speaks on behalf of all of us when he stands up and addresses large groups like he just did. Does he not understand he's representing not just himself and not just his organization, but he's also representing me? Well, he was appealing to me to use my influence to just at least raise this question with this other ministry leader to help him come to grips with 
his broader responsibility to do more than just be comfortable in the moment or to dress in such a way that he connected with a niche of pastors in America who might feel connected to him by how they saw him in that context, but also this other brother and all these others who are seeing him in a very different light. Which brings me to my third question. When you're deciding your own dress and dress code for your organization, you have to ask yourself, how many cultures will I interface with today? Now, Gateway Seminary has a reputation well-earned for being what some people have called the most multicultural seminary in the world. About 65% of our students are non-Anglo students. A large percentage of our employees are non-Anglo. And all of these uh, minority students, excuse me, majority students who come from all of these diverse backgrounds, they come from all the different concept, uh, countries uh, that you can imagine. It's not just one other culture. It's not just Asian, for example. No, it's, it's much more than that. It's Korean. It's Chinese. It's different aspects and folk uh, uh, and different sections of China represented. Uh, it's not just Hispanic, but it's different countries in Latin America and Central America. Uh, it's not just uh, European, but it's different countries and different cultures. And so it's not just broad, bros- broad brush stroking uh, our seminary and saying, well, we're in these large group categories. No, we have all kinds of diversity. And that brings with, uh, with it a lot of diverse expectations of how people are going to interface in a professional organization. And so what I remind our employees when they think about what they're going to wear to work every day is they're not just going to be interfacing with their friends or people who connect with them in their particular cultural expression, but they're going to be connecting with people from all kinds of cultural backgrounds. And then not only what other kind of cultures will interface with in the context I've been describing, but what about other generational cultural issues? Like you're going to be interfacing with people that are in their 20s, some in their 50s, and some in their 70s or 80s. And when those donors and constituents and trustees and other friends of the seminary come to and through and on campus, you're going to be interfacing with all these kind of people who have all different kinds of expectations of what our organization is like. And so it's not just a matter of thinking about how do we dress to connect with people? How do we dress to represent not only ourselves, but our organization, but it's How do we dress to interface with, effectively, lots of different cultures and lots of different generations within those cultures? Now, I'm not saying that we have to be uh, so sensitive about this that we can't uh, expect others to make some adjustment, too, in their expectation of us. Of course, they have to adjust as well. I'm simply talking about being deferential and representing your organization in such a way that interfaces with a lot of different cultures, contexts, and ages. You know, for example, when I go out and speak in churches, we often ask as a part of the preparation for my going there, what's the typical expectation of how the pastor would dress on a normal Sunday? I don't ask what's the dress code or what do you want me to wear. I ask a specific question. What does the pastor normally wear? And I found that typically if I'm going to speak in a predominantly African-American congregation, the pastor is going to be wearing a suit. If I'm going to speak in a predominantly 
a Korean or Chinese congregation, that pastor's going to be wearing a suit. Professional dress is expected. And I have no difficulty accommodating that when I go into those contexts. But if I go to some other church where I find out it's a, uh, an innovative church plant in a suburban area, the much more casual style, I'm very comfortable with that as well. So I think it's appropriate to ask, what are the cultures I'm going to be interfacing with? How can I respect and honor those cultures and fit into their expectations? And to be the one who shows the deference and not always expecting everyone else to adjust to you, but you also having some deference and adjusting to others. Well, number question number five is a, another very practical question, and that is what will we be doing in ministry in this particular context? For example, uh, if I'm preaching at a memorial service, I'm typically going to dress in a pretty formal way and demonstrate my respect for the family by uh, dressing in a more somber in more somber tones to communicate my um, my subdued sense of respect for who they are and what they may be going through on that day. I'm not going to dress that same way if I'm going to a wedding. And listen, if I'm baptizing somebody at the beach, not going to look that way at all. So I also have to think about what am I going to be doing today? Am I going to be speaking at a youth conference or am I going to be speaking uh, to a gathering of African-American pastors? Those are very different format, uh, very different venues and they call for something different from me. Not Again, just riveting in on the question of what makes me feel comfortable or who am I trying to connect with or what am I trying to say about who I am, but thinking about the fact that I represent not only myself, but my organization and the kingdom of God, and that I have a communication responsibility to be deferential and connecting with people that are in my audience. All of these things go into my mind as I'm thinking about what am I going to be doing, how old are the people I'm going to be doing it with, what cultures are going to be represented in the context of where I'm going to be working. Who am I representing and why and how? And that helps me decide what I need to do about dress in that context. And then number six, I think you also can ask, what do I hope to communicate by, how I'm, by what I'm wearing? What do I hope to communicate? Do I want to communicate a hipster vibe? Do I want to communicate competent professional? Do I want to communicate that I'm a uh, younger grandfather trying to act like a teenager? I mean, what do I want to communicate? Man, this came home to me so powerfully a few years ago. I knew a pastor who was planning a church in Arizona, a contemporary kind of church meeting in a public school. I ran into him at a conference. He was wearing a suit. I said, dude, man, what are you doing wearing a suit to this conference? And he said, this is where I, what I dress, what, how I dress now. I said, why? What changed you? He said, well, I had a memorial service on a Sunday right after my church service, and I knew I didn't have time to go home and change, so I wore the suit to church. It's really the first time I've ever done that. And before I even went to church, I worked at Starbucks to get a coffee and read my Bible and think through my notes before I went to the service. And while I'm there, a woman walks up to me and said, excuse me, I see you reading your Bible. And I just want to ask, are you a pastor? And I said, uh, yes. She said, you know, I've been trying to find a church and, and find a way to God. And every church I go to, the pastor looks like he's dressed for the beach, but you look like you actually take it seriously. Where's your church? So she came to his church that day. He shows up in the suit. And he told me that day on his comment cards from his congregation, he got like 25 cards saying, hey, pastor, loved the suit. Appreciate how you look today. Things like that. He said, Jeff, I never really thought about it before. So I've been wearing a suit to church the past few weeks. And it's really changed how people see me. Now, I'm not going to wear it all the time, but it helps people understand. I take this seriously. I'm showing up for an important moment here. This is an appointment to declare the word of God to you. And he said... I'm not going to stick with this forever, but for now I am. 
because it communicates something that I really want to say to people, and that is, I do take this seriously. And then finally, what tone do you want to set for yourself as you go into your work day? I often come to the office uh, at Gateway and I wear a tie, and I don't have to do that here, but I do. And you know why? Because when I put a tie on in the morning, it says to me, it's work day. It's time to get to work. I don't like to wear a tie at home. I never wear a tie anywhere else besides at the office. I don't wear them out in other places. But when I go to work, sometimes I put the tie on and it tells me it's work day. Let's get focused. That helps me set a tone. Okay. You're thinking, yeah, well, you're not the old man who's yelling it off my yard, but you are telling me some things about dress code. I want you to at least think this through. Because these things matter as we try to represent the Lord, represent our organization, represent his, the Lord's kingdom, and represent ourselves in ways that really do make a difference. It's something to think about, especially as you lead an organization, as you lead on.